CBDC is the only bank dedicated exclusively to entrepreneurs. That's why we're proud to support women entrepreneurs with the Thrive Podcast, providing startup women with the support and resources they need to start and grow their business. Here to connect you with the leading Canadian organizations helping women entrepreneurs. It's Janice McDonald on the Thrive Podcast. You're listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, a show inspiring, connecting, and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. On this show, we connect you with leading innovators, change makers, and organizations helping women to own it in entrepreneurship. The Thrive Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community and voice for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada, the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community and subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. I'm your host, Janice McDonald, president of the Beacon Agency and Startup Canada's ambassador for women entrepreneurs. We're thrilled to have Marg Hashi on our show today. Marg is the managing director of Grow Your Biz, an organization that builds peer-to-peer advisory boards for women entrepreneurs. It offers training, support, advisory services, and strategic alliances for women ready and committed to take their business to the next level. Marg is also the founder and former owner of Duocom Canada, which specialized in helping clients use technology to communicate. Duocom was recognized as one of Canada's 50 best managed private companies, and Marg herself has been recognized by both Chatelaine and Profit Magazine as a top 100 woman business owner in Canada. She is an expert, award-winning entrepreneur, and she brings this wealth of expertise to us today. Margaret, welcome to the show. Thank you, Janice. It's my pleasure. So, Mark, why don't we start with the key message you hope our listeners will take away from our conversation today? I really hope that our listeners today will realize how important it is to build a support system around themselves and their businesses, to surround themselves with resources and that they truly understand it's critical to develop documented processes and procedures for their companies. I really recommend that they continually hone their leadership skills and develop a growth mindset that no matter how good we are, we can always be better and to continually look for ways to improve their customer experience and above all, be willing to change. Mm. Yes, <laughs> we know we need to keep keep changing and adapting because the pace of change is so fast. And Grow Your Biz, tell us about the resources and programs it provides for women entrepreneurs. It's, I know from firsthand, I've heard from women who are part of your remarkable organization, how, how beneficial it has been to their own business success. So why don't you give us some of the uh, highlights and what people could expect? Okay. Well, Grow Your Biz 
is an initiative that brings a, it's really a tactical and proven approach to meeting the needs of women business owners. It's peer-to-peer advisory boards, typically comprised of women business owners, all from different industries. In other words, there are no competitors on the boards. It usually is 12 to 16 members per board, but that also includes professionals, which we definitely have a banker on every board. Mm -hmm. We try to have a lawyer and an accountant because those are typically, you know, a girl's best friend in business, her banker, her lawyer, her accountant, and sometimes her hairdresser. (laughs) And it depends on the day as to who's most important. We also try to have a technology specialist. In today's business environment, it's really important to truly understand how social media can help you. Absolutely. The the boards meet once a month for three hours. So it's an opportunity for the members to work on their business, not in their business, Mm -hmm. which entrepreneurs so often do. We share experiences, we share challenges, but the board really provides support, training, advisory services, and strategic alliances. Everyone signs a confidentiality agreement, so it's a little bit like Vegas around the board table. (laughs) What happens and is said there stays there. Mm -hmm. So it's a confidential and collaborative environment. Currently, we have over 30 boards in North America. Wow. And we launched in the UK this last February. And early in 2018, we're going to be establishing a unique board. It's a virtual board for women who have really experienced business owners with export knowledge, either already selling or having plans to sell to the EU and UK markets. And the members in the EU, UK will have growth plans to sell into the Canadian market. So that's going to be very unique. Our first, and I'm sure it won't be our last, but our first virtual board. So that's a little bit about Grow Your Biz. We could probably spend the whole time talking about that, but that's really the highlights right now, Janice. Well, it's it's tremendous. And we know that entrepreneurship, particularly for women who face additional challenges, uh, it's hard. It can feel sometimes very isolating. And uh, having this support system uh, can be I think just that secret sauce that women need. And you have all kinds of uh, wonderful stories from entrepreneurs who can directly point to their grow your biz uh, board as, as one of the direct reasons why they're succeeding. Mm -hmm. Yes. One of the things you mentioned was this idea of documented processes. So is that something that you see that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and particularly women entrepreneurs lack I think so. And mainly, you know, not just women, all entrepreneurs. And it's so Mm -hmm. important, particularly when you're starting out, that you start documenting your procedures. And the reason I emphasize documented 
Janice, was that it's really important because what happens is if you have changes in staff or if you bring on a new member to the team, you already have your processes and your procedures documented. And it makes it so much easier to onboard people when you have things done. Now, most of the documents actually become what I call a living document. You know, it's never finished per se. You keep Mm -hmm. improving it and you keep uh, perfecting it as time goes on. But if you have things documented, it just makes life a lot easier for you in the long run. One of the things you mentioned, we're going to hear about what the key to a successful advisory board is. But first, I think one of the keys is this idea that you talked about a growth mindset. Can you expand on that? Mm-hmm. There, you know, there, there's been lots written. Actually, there's been a study done by Dr. Carol Dweck. I believe she's at the University of, I want to say, Pennsylvania. Um, and it's, you know, having a fixed mindset as opposed to having a growth mindset. It's really important for entrepreneurs to really practice that growth mindset, really not making, like not missing opportunities. I think that's the key. Sometimes we're in environments where there are huge opportunities and we don't see the forest for the trees. So really, I think having that growth mindset can make a huge difference for entrepreneurs. yeah. And it, so that's something that you're, that would be, I guess, one of the elements that adds to a successful advisory board is having people coming in with that growth mindset. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the successful boards are, are comprised of women that I think you mentioned really are committed to taking their businesses to the next level. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people are quite happy with a lifestyle business that they've you know, taken on and it provides them with the lifestyle they like. But we're really looking for women who are committed to taking their business to the next level. And a successful board needs to be led by an experienced facilitator. And almost all of our facilitators are also entrepreneurs. Okay, and so they can very relate. Important, very important because unless you've stayed awake <laughs> trying to figure out how you're going to meet payroll this Friday, mm-hmm. you don't get it. It's so true. <laughs> but when you haven't experienced all the challenges an entrepreneur faces, it's very hard to relate so, to um, entrepreneurs. Yeah, uh, no, of course, that relatability is key because they are unique challenges. And exactly as you said, this this idea of if you've if you've had to put payroll on your credit card, that's a very different experience than um, you know what someone's experiencing in the corporate world, as an example. Absolutely, so, it, it definitely is. So, when you're thinking about um, a successful advisory board, so one of the keys is kind of how, as we've said, to come in with a growth mindset. But what are the keys to actually having a successful advisory board? Like, how do you establish outside of the Grow Your Biz Network? But for just people who are thinking about, okay, I, I've heard I should have an advisory board. What should our listeners keep in mind when they're establishing their own? Well, when I established my own board, and that was a board of directors for my company, I highly recommend you look outside of your own industry. That might sound unusual, but it's really important to have a diverse board that really brings different perspectives to the table. 
In my case, when I built my board of directors for my business, and keep in mind, I owned a tech company. I owned an audiovisual products and services company. But my board was comprised of, first of all, a retired CEO from one of the large oil companies, a senior vice president of one of the top six Canadian banks. I had a Mm -hmm. CA. I had a retired professional football player that was also a business owner. And I had a financial analyst that managed the portfolio for the owner of one of our professional sports teams here in Canada. So it was very diverse, but I learned Mm -hmm. so much from those people, things I would never have thought of or were really quite removed from our industry, but it was very applicable to any business. In fact, I learned so much from those people that when I established that board, I grew my business over 1,100% in the six years that I worked with them. That is amazing. And people often ask me, Janice, how on earth did you get these people to be on your board of directors? The simple answer is, I just asked. Mm. Yeah. So sometimes we stand in our own way. We think that they won't be interested or they won't have time. or So we take them out of the running before we've even given them a chance to to say yes. Very true. And, you know, to be honest, and when I asked them, you know, why did you agree? A couple of them said we were quite flattered. Mm. So... You know, it was really interesting, but they were a huge asset to me and in growing my business. 1100%, which is incredible. Um, Mark, when you set that up, what was kind of the process? Um, so we know you asked them, but then how often did you meet and what was kind of the, if you could give people a sense of how, how you did that and then similarly, um, how that might differ from a Grow Your Biz from those boards? Well, I tried to respect the fact that, you know, they were busy people, too. So we only met twice a year. Okay. Um, but I always did my homework and I was ready for the meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were not they didn't want to be. They were not compensated financially, okay. but I always entertained them. Well, we always went out for an absolutely incredible dinner and and nice wines after the meeting. Mm-hmm. And so as a thank you, but, um, but they were so excited about helping me grow the business. You know, they really got engaged. So that was absolutely wonderful for me. And, uh, you know, they're still great friends today. That's amazing. And so how might that, so we know that with Grow Your Biz, uh, you're meeting more often as you indicated, but can you give us a sense of a peek into what a Grow Grow Your Biz meeting might be like for people who who want to learn more about it? Um, A Grow Your Biz board, as I mentioned earlier, is about three hours in length. Mm -hmm. And everyone, first of all, does a check-in. You know, if we haven't seen each other for a month, typically we may have, but typically it's Mm -hmm. a month. And everyone does a check-in. So we ask them to share a win, Mm -hmm. a loss, Mm-hmm. Uh, or a challenge, you know, something they've learned okay. this last month. We also ask them, you know, what help do you need in the next 30 days? And what are you going to commit to do 
in the next 30 days. So it, it's quite a format that we follow and everyone is timed. So that way everyone gets equal time at the table. There is uh, not someone speaking for two minutes and then someone else for 20. But right. while that check-in is going on, the facilitator is taking notes and anyone who's having a challenge, then that would become the discussion point for the rest of the meeting. Or we may okay. have had a predetermined topic. Um, I know we have many, many different exercises that we share, but typically it's the members that determine the agenda. Okay. So hopefully that gives you a bit of perspective. Well, I think that's amazing because it sounds very responsive. So, you know, the reason why you would want to join is because you're going to have this support system, as you've identified, you're going to have access to experts around the table. So uh, because we know talking to some of our other experts um, for a Thrive podcast, we've heard about the challenges that some women entrepreneurs face in terms of, you know, whether it's access to capital or things like that. So knowing, you know, being able to speak to a banker and, uh, you know, the, the different experts that you have around the table in a more relaxed setting is, I think, a significant advantage. It definitely is. And I mean, things like, you know, one member was struggling with cash flow. You know, everyone, um, you know, has at one time or another challenges with cash flow. Mm -hmm. And just understanding how to build a cash flow forecast, it's very different from building a sales forecast. Um, I used to have members come to me and say, Marg, here's my profit and loss statement. I've made all this money. Where is it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'd say it's either sitting in your <laughs> warehouse on your shelf or it's still in your, your client's bank accounts because they haven't paid you yet. <laughs> but, you know, with having a banker on each board, the banker was able to do a presentation on actually forecasting cash flow and how to do that. So that knowledge is very helpful to any business owner. And so for our listeners, how can they optimize their relationship with their advisory board? What do they need to do? You know, it's really being, I think, honest and, you know, doing your homework, mm -hmm. planning for your meeting, but being open, you know, don't be afraid to say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I know when I started my business, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't read financial statements. Mm -hmm. I get my financial statements from my accountant and I kind of flip to the profit and loss, look at the bottom line, thought, okay, we're good. And I finally admitted to him, mm -hmm. you know, I really didn't understand them. And I wanted him to teach me how to be able to analyze my balance sheet, my trial balance and, and truly understand them. So I started taking him to lunch once a month. I said, I'm going to buy you lunch. Teach me. Mm. And it was one of the best investments I ever made, Janice, because knowing your numbers is powerful. It is. And it, it allows you to ask the right questions, doesn't it? It certainly does. And also plan better. So when you think about some of the challenges that entrepreneurs face or the, the pitfalls, what so one of them, I guess, would be um, not understanding their numbers. Are there any others that you see in a regular way? Doesn't I don't mean in a grow your biz setting, just in general, because you've been in this space for a long time and you have a lot of expertise. What do you see are the 
the the typical problems that come up and perhaps some of your wise um, suggestions on how to avoid them. <laughs> I think the keys, the key areas that I, oh, whenever I talk to any entrepreneur um, is it's finance and HR. Okay. Talent management. Um, those seem to be the two areas that always sort of bubble to the surface. Mm-hmm. Those seem to be the areas that we're all challenged with. Uh, those are the key ones. And then very strong area too is sales. Okay. Closing business. And as we know, nothing happens in any organization until someone sells something. Right. So those seem to be the three key areas that uh, keep cropping up all the time. Mm-hmm. And it make it it's people, but exactly as you said, you have to sell <laughs> and you have to know your mm-hmm. numbers. Yes, absolutely. So you founded and scaled a successful company to great heights. We know that it was one of Canada's 50 best managed private companies, and you've been recognized with awards and accolades, um, rightly so. So if what are those top skills, the actual skills that you think founders have to have to grow their business? What do they, what's, what do they really need? And if, if they don't have these things, you know, focus immediately on, on boosting these skills. We could probably spend the whole hour talking about just that, Janice, but, um, Mm -hmm. let's, one of the things I do, I'll try and give you a reader's digest version version, if you will. Great. Um, Sure. I think there are six elements to running a successful business. And I jokingly call them the joy of six. First of all, let me share with you first that there are only two ways to grow a business. You have to find new customers Mm -hmm. or you have to sell more to existing customers. Right. So, and as I said, nothing happens in any organization until someone sells something. Yeah. As a business owner, you need to be able to sell. And whether it's a product, selling your ideas. So I highly recommend as a business owner, you hone your presentation skills. You need to be able to perfect that elevator pitch. You need to be able to stand in front of a group or an individual and present your business effectively. And most of all, you need to understand how you can help that client or that potential client. So always look at it from that perspective. It's critical to understand who your ideal client is. You need to build an avatar around that ideal client and then market to them specifically. So those are sort of an aside. But the six But they're but they're very they're very, very important. Because if you if you don't know who your ideal client is, then you're wasting a lot of time and energy marketing all over to people that you don't even want to attract. That's right. And if you have time at the end, remind me and I'll share a story with you about ideal clients. Perfect. Um, the six joys or the elements of running a business is first of all, you need a compelling business model. And this may need to change as your business grows. It's very important to understand. We've just talked about who's the ideal client, but also how are you going to take it to market? 
And who's going to support you? Like looking at your supply chain, really looking at the whole picture of your compelling business model. That's number one. Number two, you need a strong management team. And if you're a team of one, because sometimes when you're starting up, you're a solopreneur, you need to have required skills. And if you don't have them, you need to outsource them. So in any organization, someone has to do the sales and marketing. Someone has to look after finance. Someone has to do the purchasing or procurement, even if it's just buying office supplies. And someone needs to do the administration. Yeah. I always say to the Grow Your Biz members, stop doing the $15 an hour jobs and do the $150 an hour jobs. Because sometimes as business owners, we get so wrapped up in the minutiae that we forget we should be out there talking to customers. You know what? That is such a powerful statement. And I think that there's this sense that uh, entrepreneurs feel like they have to do it all. And, you know, here it is. Stop doing the $15 an hour jobs and do the 150 This is, I think, so critical, Mark. And to your point, that's how you get more business. That is how you grow your that's business. That's right. And, and yeah, you free yourself up from those other, you know, admin or whatever those things right. are. Some of the boards, you know, which is great, three or four of the women have got together and hired a VA, a virtual assistant, that they share. Mm-hmm. I mean, a virtual assistant, mm-hmm. you can you can book as many hours as you need. Maybe it's one day a week. Maybe it's only two hours a week. But if you need help in specific areas, don't bog yourself down doing invoicing. You know, sometimes they think, oh, it's so easy. I can do it myself. No, but what else could you be doing? So really, those are yes. critical. Outsource the skills you're, that are not your strong suit. And it, and it comes at an opportunity cost. Yes. Right. Like you actually, if you're, as you said, if you're doing that, what are you not doing? You're saying no to other things. That's right. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. owners should mm-hmm. always be looking, especially in the beginning. Everything I do must be revenue generating. That's my job. Yes. It's such a simple sentence, but it is powerful in terms of a strategic approach to running your business. Yes. Number three is having a profitable financial model. And really, we've, we've talked about it, really understanding those numbers, um, being able to analyze them. Um, for me, it even helped me decide when I was bringing a new person on. By looking at the numbers, mm-hmm. you know, the, the trends we, we had during the year, when is an ideal time to start adding staff? So looking at mm-hmm. your numbers, analyzing them, it's very, very important. And looking at them monthly. I don't mean wait till the year end and think, oh, how did we do? No, every month you should be <laughs> looking at those numbers and say, yes. is it according to my forecast? If, mm-hmm. if listeners haven't prepared a forecast for the year, they need to be doing that and they need to be doing a, a scenario, you know, take a look at it every month, forecast versus actual. Where are we? Mm-hmm. 
we thought it was going to go this way. It, it, it could be going better, but it may have gone off the rails too. And we don't want to wait too late to find out, oh, exactly. wow, that's not good. Okay, so if you look at it monthly, not even quarterly or six months or at the end, and some people don't look at them for a year, you need to look at them monthly. So very, very important. Perfect. You also okay. need to have a powerful marketing strategy that needs to achieve, help you achieve a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Probably one of the best things I ever did in marketing cost me 65 cents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we sold a lot of equipment. Um, I pioneered data projection in Canada and every projector we sold got our company name on it with our 800 number. It was a little domed label. Mm. That was the best mm-hmm. marketing tool I ever used. And it was probably the least expensive. But it kept your, your customer thinking about you, connecting with you, turning to you for whatever help they and needed. Branding. I mean, the brand. And there. immediately, yeah, your name is there. They're, they're, they are directly connected to you. 65 cent yep, stamp. Basically, that was it. Or, or yeah. sticker, I guess. Yeah. Sticker. <laughs> it's amazing. It and so... You know, work smart. I mean, we once, we used to do, when the business was close to, I guess, around 50 million in revenue, we used to do 30 trade shows a year. That's Mm -hmm. a lot of trade shows. That's on the road all the time. We had a team doing trade shows. And I went to one, Janice, and I looked down the aisles and all the booths were very similar. All our competitors Mm -hmm. were there and we were all demonstrating and selling pretty much the same stuff. So Mm -hmm. I decided right then and there, we are not doing another trade show. Bold move from Um, 30. So we did a um, debrief the next day and I announced to the marketing team, we're not doing another trade show this year. We are only doing private shows. And we started doing educational private events that we invited clients and potential clients. And we had our suppliers be involved. And quite frankly, Mm -hmm. they paid to be there, our suppliers. As opposed to you paying to be at a trade show. So I saved Mm -hmm. over a million dollars off my budget by doing private shows. Oh, my gosh. That's... Mark, it's so innovative. So this is something that needs to maybe be addressed in this in this moment, right? So when you're when you're going against the sort of uh, you know the way things are done, if for women entrepreneurs in particular, how do they find that courage and that voice to really say, you know, you did it, no problem, you you found it and you knew this was right for your business. But is there anything you can offer for women that want to take their business in a different direction and they're certain it's going to be right? How do they do that? I think it's called being disruptive. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I just decided that instead of our marketing team, you know, working on trade shows, they were going to spend time getting, quite frankly, bums in seats at our private events. So they spent their time and energy recruiting people to come to our private events. And we did educational components. People always want to learn about new technology. 
So it wasn't mm-hmm. that difficult to get people to come. Um, and it was just an innovative way, quite frankly, of doing our marketing as opposed to same old, same old, same old that everyone else mm-hmm. was doing. It's, it's, a, it's a really relevant, dramatic example a million dollars. And also you're having a a very different conversation with your clients and suppliers when they're coming to you. You, Exactly. What you attract, you don't have to pursue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a great line. What you attract, you don't have to pursue. We have a few few of those. (laughs) I love that one. That is fabulous. That's fabulous. So, so, so that would be, you know, like, but just to finish on that, because a powerful marketing strategy can be a real game changer for every business. So really kind of taking the time to focus in on what that means for your own business. Mm -hmm. So number five is using robust technology. So not necessarily the latest and greatest, but it needs to provide you with the required information you need to run your business. So, you know, you need hardware, you need software, you need connectivity. Some of you will need tools and apps depending on your business, but make sure you invest in some robust technology. Because that can be a real competitive advantage too. Most definitely. And efficiency. And always look at it from Mm -hmm. the customer experience. If we change this software, how does it affect our clients? How does it affect our customer experience? Because that can be the deciding factor. That's so helpful. Such practical advice. Number six. Number six is work in a global marketplace. Often people say to me, oh, Mark, no, no, I only want to work in my own region. And then I say things like, Mm -hmm. do you have a website? Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) Well, you do know what WWW stands for, right? (laughs) So whether we like it or not, we're already playing in a global marketplace. So make sure everything is relevant, especially on your website. You have just laid out for people how literally to grow their business in six easy steps. Now you had a ideal client story example you were going to share with us. So uh, wonderful. Okay. If we have time for that, I will definitely share that. Absolutely. We need to hear this. So when we started the business, we were always B2B, business to business. That was our sales model. And as the technology improved, I really started looking at other opportunities. I was always looking for ways to grow. And so I thought, okay, now we're selling flat screens. It was when the plasma screens first came out and then LEDs. And I thought, why not start selling home theater? Start B2C. And we started a separate entity Mm -hmm. to start selling to consumers. Well, Mm -hmm. We soon discovered, you know, that sure, you can sell a flat screen and some speakers and some surround sound. You know, you're probably selling about four or $5,000 a pop. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, but who is our ideal client? And it's 
it's not the wives that spend money on home theater. It's the boys with toys. So we had a 40,000 square foot facility in Montreal and I called with parking for 150 cars. So I called the Maserati club and the Ferrari club of Montreal. And I asked them Mm -hmm. if they'd like to hold their monthly meeting in my parking lot. And if they came, we would have a wine tasting for them. And the only thing I asked is if they would tour the six home theater rooms we had built and give me feedback. There would be no selling. Wow. I really just wanted their opinions. And these rooms were incredible, Janice. I mean, the artisans in Quebec, the furnishings we put in the room, not to even mention the technology was amazing. Mm -hmm. So they came, they drank wine, they toured the rooms, they had a great time. And two weeks later, one of those gentlemen came back Mm -hmm. and spent $600,000 with us to automate his second (laughs) home in Mont-Tremblant. You know how long it would have taken me at $4,000 to $5,000 a pop to get a revenue of $600,000. And that was just the beginning. So, you know, my target market for that particular product line was boys and their toys. And if they spend money on cars, they're going to spend money on what I was selling. This is a phenomenal story. And it goes back to where we started when you shared the need to have that that deep understanding of who it is that is your customer and who your customer that you want it to be, that you really have to intimately understand that. And here you are demonstrating that and the power of that knowledge to be able to, to simply grow your business. Right. Exactly. But also, but also I, I just love this innovative approach to reaching that customer. So you even got great feedback, I'm sure, when they got to tour and see it. And and what a fun event for those guys to come out to as well. Yes. And for our salespeople, just to hear their feedback. It was really wonderful. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, successful business owners really require certain characteristics. They need enthusiasm. And sometimes that's not easy. Perseverance. That's number two. Um, Uh I also call that grit. And they need to be innovative and problem Uh solvers. Those are sort of the four things. Enthusiasm, perseverance, innovative, and a problem solver. And I don't just mean in their own businesses, but solving problems for their clients. So being able to ask what I call killer questions, um, understanding mm-hmm. and digging down into what pain points your customer has that you can remedy. And do you have some uh, go-to killer questions that that you usually ask? I, well, I have some that I used to use in my own industry. Like, for ex- I can give you an mm-hmm. example. If I great. was going in to see um, a you know a C level executive to try to sell him video conferencing system, I wouldn't ask him Mm -hmm. if he wanted to use that. I'd go in and say, have you ever looked at how much you spend with your people traveling back and forth from Toronto to Montreal to your different offices every month? Have you ever looked at how much that's costing you? 
Mm-hmm. And then I'd explain that on a lease, we could put two video conferencing systems in Montreal and Toronto for the cost of one flight per month. Mm-hmm. Now, it won't replace wow. all the flights, but it'll be the meetings you wouldn't have normally had. Mm-hmm. So by- so it's going about it a different way, exactly. right? I, I, yeah, finding that pain yes. point. The other thing I'll share okay. is that I grew my business by listening to my customers, Janice, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When data projectors first came out, they were $10,000 each. Now, since then, they've become a commodity. You can buy one for six or $700, a good one. But when mm-hmm. they were $10,000 each, people would say things to me like, ooh, we like one, but we can't afford that. So I started mm-hmm. a leasing company. And then I had people say things to me, well, we can't afford to buy one, but we'd like to rent one for our monthly meeting. And so I started mm-hmm. renting my demo units. And then pretty soon I didn't have any <laughs> demonstration units left. So I had to go <laughs> buy an inventory. And I hired a guy with a van. And I bought an inventory of projectors. And we decided just to pilot the test in Toronto. And in mm-hmm. the first year, that generated a million dollars of revenue for us. Oh, my god. By gosh. listening to my customer. Yes. We started our integration department by customers saying, well, Mark, we don't want all the cables all over our nice boardroom table. Can you put this up in the ceiling? So I rented another van. I hired two guys this time with a ladder. (laughs) And we started putting projectors (laughs) in the ceiling. But then people started saying, well, we'd like a sound system. We'd like this and that. And I, okay, time out. We're going to stop doing installations. And we're going to start doing integration. So I had to take a step back, um, hire design engineers, project managers, technicians, And that became the biggest part of our business, Janice, systems integration. Everything from doing simulation rooms for the Canadian Space Agency to doing IBM's Executive Briefing Center. And it all was from listening to my customers and what they wanted. But I think there's something else there, too. You're very responsive in terms of so you listen, then you hear it. And then but you don't necessarily rush in. Right. Like so to go to the integration required a whole set of processes, if you will. And and you slowed down long enough to realize, OK, we're, we're going to do this differently and right. And then you're truly able to capitalize on that opportunity. I've always done that, even when we were just starting to sell technology, because I started out selling overhead projectors and transparency films. That's how we started in 1980. And of course, the technology has changed dramatically, but I always went to manufacturers rollouts. So I knew what was coming before Mm -hmm. it arrived. And I could already have started my marketing process of those products before they were even available. Mm-hmm. Again, a strong marketing strategy. It's so, you're a very strategic business leader. And if we think about um, what you've shared today for women listening, 
you can be part of the Grow Your Biz Network that Marg is the managing director of. So we, you know, and have access to your expertise right across the country. And I know you do your own board and people would be part of different ones, but when they're part of the Grow Your Biz family, they get access to Marg as well. They get Margisms as you call them. <laughs> so, you know, as a final question, maybe you can share, how can our listeners join the Grow Your Biz Network, this powerful okay. network? Well, as I mentioned earlier, we have boards across Canada and into the U.S. Um, so probably the best thing is to check out our website, and that's uh, www.growyourbiz. So there's no W, it's G-R-O-Y-O-U-R-B-I-Z.com for their nearest board, and they are listed there. We are continually mm-hmm. opening new boards. Uh, we've just opened one in Brantford, Ontario. We've just opened one in Fredericton, New Brunswick. So if there isn't a board in their area, we may already be working on one so they could reach out to me directly. Perfect. And so go to the website, learn more, and then um, you can... You know, do you have events and there's all kinds of things, special things that Grow Your Biz does. But um, it's it's time to join this amazing network, I think, is what uh, we're hearing as an important call to action. Yes, I think so. It makes a big difference for the women business owners who are members. And it's just, you know, it's lonely at the top. So don't do it alone. Mm-hmm. So as an expert, as an award-winning entrepreneur, we've had the the great good fortune of hearing from Marg Hashi today. You've been very generous with your expertise and you are the managing director of Grow Your Biz, but also uh, the, the founder and former owner of Dualcom Canada. Marg Hashi, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. My pleasure, Thank you Janice. for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, a show inspiring, connecting, and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to find resources designed to support thriving women-owned businesses across Canada. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada Podcast, hosted by Rivers Corbett. And to learn about the latest startup community news and events, like our popular startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Until next time, I'm Janice McDonald, leaving you now with a sneak peek of our next episode. This is Dr. Sue Abu Hakima, co-founder CEO from Amica Mobile Corporation, and you're listening to the Thrive Podcast with Janice McDonald. I think that's great because if you see something you don't like how it looks, it's on exactly. you. Don't wait for someone else to do it and mobilize like you did with that exactly. example. You were you were the rallying cry that that made the change. But it's also I think really it's it was such a perfect example because it reminds people that one person can make that change. You know, you yes, you mobilized a team, you took steps and but you know, you started something that actually ended up with a better outcome and that's exactly. tremendous. And one of the other things, Janice, that I wanna mention is is certainly the report that uh, BMO had you and Claire do. Claire Backton and mm. that was when it blew my mind to find out that eight out of ten women get turned down for money in banks and honestly as an entrepreneur for 17 years and 16 by then I did not know this I mean I had been turned down by venture funds before but I didn't realize I always thought well maybe I'm aggressive maybe it's because I'm brown maybe you know who knows maybe they don't like women engineers right it's not that at all it's the gender (laughs) 
no. and that's really that's, that's right. where things have to change so now that we know this right it's a rallying cry not just for me but for all of the other men and women in my life because even the men tech ceos can't believe those numbers they're married or they have daughters and they have sisters they have mothers mm -hmm. they cannot believe the inequity that's in this country they're stunned that this is canada and so all of us are working together now and calling uh, this out to to try and get change and i'm hoping that we will see change but i think it'll it'll take a lot of us just repeating and repeating and repeating until the change comes and i think that'll happen